Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Hey. Hi. My wife's in the back. Um... Well, good morning. Um, my name is Chris Adamanis, and I serve on the elder team here. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about why I'm standing up here today. Um, in, in the sporting world, uh, uh, Joey, our senior pastor, made a call to the bench. Um, he sent out a text last week um, to those who uh, substitute preach that we had a man down. Our sweet uh, brother David here tested for a mysterious virus that will go unnamed, um, and they needed somebody to step up this week. I wasn't going to answer that text because I am notoriously slow at preparing messages. It takes me weeks, sometimes months, to prepare a sermon. Heck, i got to write this thing called The Daily every two weeks. I wait to the last minute to do that, too, because I think I just get too, you know, up trying to get the exact right words or something. And I think I've always had this. I'm back in college, you know, to write a paper. It would take me the whole semester to write a paper. I think it's why I went into accounting, because in accounting, you don't have to write any papers. Um, uh, but nobody else seemed to step up and, and, and cover, be able to cover for this week, so I took a leap of faith, a bold leap of faith. We call that uh, foreshadowing in the business. Um, and I volunteered to speak. And the good Lord is gracious to me like he always is, um, because the passage I'm going to talk about today comes from my absolute favorite chapter in all of the Bible, Acts chapter 4. The title we've given this series as we go through the book of Acts is Outpouring, as you've heard. And it started first with Jesus pouring into his disciples. Uh, then we learned all about that as we went through the Gospel of Luke, which was volume one of his writings here. Uh, Joey kicked off the series last week. Um, uh, where Jesus fulfilled the promise to his apostles and he, and on Pentecost where, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And this act was the fuel that started the mission of the early church to spread the gospel of Jesus in Jerusalem first, then into all of Judea and to Samaria, and finally to the ends of the earth. Um, I've titled my sermon, To Boldly Go Where Others Have Gone Before. If you're a sci-fi geek and you're old enough like me, you'll know that that actually came from a reference from the opening lines of the TV series Star Trek. My big idea today, or the main point I want to get across to everybody, uh, is this. This is the big idea, that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit led the early, church follow- early followers of Jesus to bold, and that same power is available and necessary for us to do the same today. We're going to see how the lives of these early followers of Jesus were shaped and molded and radically changed by this outpouring of the Holy Spirit in three specific areas, and even in their prayer life, which we will hone in on uh, with the verses that have been assigned for me today. But even more importantly, I want to talk about how today we can live in the outpouring, which is, um, you know, it kind of sums up the theme of our study through the book of Acts, to be living in the outpouring. Uh, We're going to examine the word bold or boldness. It comes up several times, and we're going to find out what that really means and how we can obtain it, no matter what your personality type is. And I'm really excited to do this because to understand these verses I'm going to read today, 
I get to share with you from my personal favorite chapter in the Bible, Acts chapter 4. And as a former pastor of mine used to say, if you, in hearing this reading of this section of Scripture, if it doesn't fire you up, then your wood is wet. So I ask you to please stand. We're going to read uh, from Acts chapter 4 that I hope will be on the screen behind me. We'll see. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the, had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. May these words that are inspired by God the Holy Spirit fall upon you and your hearts and minds all for his glory. Amen. You can sit down. All right, so what's going on here? What, What is it that led to this powerful celebratory time of prayer? It starts back in chapter three of Acts where the actual, the very first healing miracle of the church age is recorded. Peter and John are on their way to the the temple in Jerusalem, and they happen upon a beggar that the Word of God says was actually lame from birth. This beggar asks Peter and John for money, and Peter answers him and starts a series of events that I think have been sung in Sunday school classes for the last 100 years. But Peter Peter said, "Uh, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising. That's for the Sunday school people. Of course, this commotion draws a big crowd, and Peter takes this opportunity to preach the gospel. It's his second great sermon that's been recorded in the book of Acts. And for this crime of healing, lame beggar, and for preaching in the name of Jesus, Peter and John are arrested by the religious elite. But first, the word says, but many of those who had heard him, they heard the word and believed. And a number of men came to about 5,000. The Bible says that 3,000 were added after Peter's first sermon, and maybe another 5,000 or at least another 2,000 came after his second sermon. This is the guy you want preaching on your pulpit on Sunday mornings. 
But it's the events of the next day that every time I read it, it, really, it just it thrills my heart. Because Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin, the ruling elders in Jerusalem. And Peter, he rises to speak. And the word of God says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and, and elders, if we are being examined today concerning the good deed done to a crippled man by th- what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people in Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by, thi- by him this man is standing before you healed. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation uh, no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So this first area uh, where this outpouring of the Holy Spirit led these early followers of Jesus to bold Christian living is in the simple yet profound proclamation of the gospel. Peter is probably my favorite character in all, all, all of the Bible. He's a natural leader. Did you know in the Bible, when they list out the apostles, whether it's all 12 of them or even just a subset of three or four of them, if Peter is there, Peter is listed first in every, uh, in every reference. When you read some of the exploits in the Gospels uh, of Peter, you would describe him as a person of boldness. And this is the definition I found for boldness. It's a courage a confidence, and a willingness to act innovatively to get things done despite risks. When Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? It's Peter that stands up and says boldly, you are the son of the God, you are son of the living God. When Jesus tells all, says to all that all will fall away on the night of his betrayal, Peter boldly stands up and says, Lord, they may all leave you, but I will never leave you. When they come to arrest Jesus that night, it's Peter who boldly takes arms and slices off the ear of one of the soldiers there. But boldness and courage in his own power eventually leads Peter to utter failure. That same evening, he can't even stand up to a servant girl who who asks him if he even knows Jesus. The Bible says before the resurrection, it's Peter and the rest of the apostles that are hiding behind locked doors for the fear of the Jews. Yet here he is standing before the rulers the ruling elders of, an, of, of Jerusalem, led by Annas and, and, and Caiaphas, it's the same people who saw through the crucifixion of Jesus just weeks earlier, and here he is boldly proclaiming the deity of Jesus Christ. What changed? Verse 8 tells us what it was. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. So this newfound courage that Peter had, or what I like to call this new holy boldness. It wasn't something that Peter drummed up on his own, but it was a gift. It was a gift from God, something that came upon him because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in his life. And this being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't just referring to what happened at at Pentecost. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit isn't a one-and-done kind of a thing. That's why we stress the phrase living in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Both words ending in I-N-G, meaning it's an ongoing, it's a current thing, it's a continuous thing. I'll dive more into that subject a little bit later. 
The second area of life uh, of these early Christian of the early Christian church that was affected by this outpouring of this of the Holy Spirit that led to holy boldness was in their prayer life, and we're going to hone in on the verses that we just read. If you dissect this prayer, if you find some very interesting things, if you notice, it said the prayer the, they broke into this prayer not based on what uh, the uh, elders did to Peter and John. But they, by letting them go, that's an incredible thing. That's not what they, they broke into prayer about. They broke into prayer about because of what the elders said to them. And this is what they said. So they, the elders, called Peter and John and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. Zach Sarver um, made this brilliant observation in his daily this week when he wrote on this section of Scripture. Um, this is the actual first recorded attempt of something or someone actually trying to stop the outpouring of love, uh, the love of God from reaching the rest of the world. Zach uses the analogy of them building a dam to try to keep the water contained so it wouldn't spread out. These early believers realized that they were getting resistance uh, in the mission that had been given to them by Jesus himself in Acts chapter 1 to spread the gospel, starting right there in the city of Jerusalem. So what do they do? What, how do they come against this opposition? They pray. And do they pray for protection? No. The word says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. That was their prayer. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. These were mere men issuing orders to stop the preaching of the gospel of Jesus, but these followers of the way, they knew they were now involved in spiritual warfare. They recognized that when you became a Christian, you're enlisted in an army. This prayer uttered by these earliest believers ties directly into Paul's message to the church in Ephesus, and it's still true for us today. And Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Paul then goes on to describe the whole armor of God. You read in Ephesus 6. And then he asks for prayer for all the followers of Jesus, and then for him particularly. He says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication or prayer for all the saints, and also to pray for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You know, when the early church prays for boldness, in their mission to spread the gospel, God boldly answers back. It says, when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. In the third area, uh, the early church changed with this outpouring of the Holy Spirit was clearly, clearly seen just simply in the way that they lived their daily, ordinary lives. Acts 4.32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one, that, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. 
this holy communal living maybe not be as exciting as standing before people and having 3,000 people come to the faith. It may not be exciting as being in a prayer meeting and the whole place is shaken in, res- uh, in response to your prayer. But this holy communion is probably the most profound evidence uh, of living in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For nothing speaks to our inherited sinful nature as much as living a life with your hands closed, hoarding your possessions and thinking only of yourself. To be clear, the Christian life isn't a call to sell all of your property and go live in some commune like the hippies did in the 1960s. This is really the crux of the matter, and it's really what kind of I want to summarize and want you to take home today. That living in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what it does, it instills in people the desire to boldly share the gospel with others in word and in deed. To boldly pray to God for even more boldness to share that gospel and to boldly live lives of generosity to all and especially to those in the family of faith. Our hearts and our minds must be changed first. Then this life of holy boldness is an overflow. And it's not a natural overflow. It is a supernatural overflow uh, given by God. Do you see the difference here between being bold due to your natural inclinations and being bold or trying to be bold in you know, striving to do your best versus this holy bold? that comes from an outflow of the, of, of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's very important to understand this, and it can't be emphasized enough, and that's why it's part every week from, from the front here. It's the message that we want to communicate to you um, here at this church of living in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The early church um, had the pouring of the Holy Spirit upon them at Pentecost, and that provoked and that started uh, this holy boldness in the lives of the early church. But what can Christians here in the 21st century do to tap in to this power source? Would it surprise you if I said that the answer is the same for us today as it was for them back then? And listen, God truly did some miraculous supernatural things at the first Pentecost, the rushing wind, the tongues of fire over, over the apostles' head, them being able to speak instantaneously in other languages. But my contention is that the holy boldness portrayed by that early church uh, wasn't just the one event that happened at uh, uh, Pentecost, but it came from a constant filling of the Holy Spirit that they and all believers, even us today, uh, have available to us as a gift from God. There really is no mystery in this living in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is obtained simply by drawing closer to Jesus, by means that are available to us, just like the early church did, that's spelled out so emphatically in Acts chapter 2, in a very well-known section of Scripture. Acts 2.42 says that they devoted, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Devotion is a love, it's a loyalty, it's an enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. So these followers of Jesus and us today should be devoted. We need to be devoted to, first, the apostles' teaching. And all that is is what we have before us in Holy Scripture. We need to be devoted to the fellowship. And that just means you need to find a group of people you can draw close together with and do life together with. We need to be devoted 
to the breaking of the bread, which is really nothing more than probably sharing a meal with those who you fellowship with, and or it could be the celebration of the Lord's Supper, which we will be doing today as well. And we need to be devoted to prayer. And it's praying to the Lord, and it's praying on behalf of others. As you do these things, you are made more keenly aware of the gospel of Jesus in your own life, understanding more and more the grace and the mercy and the love of God for us through the gift of his only begotten son on our behalf will naturally overflow into holy living, just like the early followers of Jesus recorded here in the book of Acts. Paul um, gives advice, uh, the same advice about 30 years later when he writes to the first Gentile followers in the city of Ephesus, when he says, in very plain terms, very uh, terms that we can all you know, agree on and, and see before us, he just tells the people, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the, uh, the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, this connotes a continuous, constant filling. And you address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The worship team, they can come on back up now. Um, you know, I started this passage by, uh, message by saying that living in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit um, really started with Jesus pouring into his disciples during his three years of earthly ministry. All Peter and John did, it's recorded here for us, Acts chapter 3 and 4, is just following what they saw Jesus do and what Jesus said. With the healing of the lame beggar, the preaching of the gospel to the masses, standing up to religious authorities um, uh, uh, by uh, speaking to them in truth and in love, praying to the Father in all the circumstances, and even living in community with other believers. They just lived life the way Jesus modeled it for them. So now I'm going to tell you my favorite verse from my favorite chapter in Scripture, and it comes right after Peter finishes his bold defense before the Sanhedrin. And interestingly enough, it's a response that these religious leaders take right after Peter unapologetically says, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the, the accuser of these people. This is what they thought. It says, when they, when they the ruling elders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You know, ever since I've read that verse, that's been my life goal. Uh, I want everyone, perfect strangers to those who I know most closely, to look at the way I live and to say, you know, one thing's for sure. That guy there, he has been with Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a gracious, loving God, um, and we do exalt you and honor you as the king of the universe, the creator of all things. Um, 
We thank you for your, uh, your mercy and your love and your forgiveness. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit to come upon us so that we may effectively and efficiently carry out the task that you've laid before us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the, the world around us. We thank you and praise you in his name. Amen.